Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 86 of Hack to Start. This episode features Kim Pham, the head of platform at Frontline Ventures. Tyler and I wanted to invite Kim onto the show to share her story as an entrepreneur and venture capitalist. Kim joins us to share her story, how she got involved in startups and hustled her way into various opportunities with companies like Onswipe, Blue Apron, and more. How she helped launch Dorm Room Fund in NYC, how she got into VC, what she does as head of platform at Frontline Ventures in Dublin, and much more. This is an amazing episode you won't want to miss, so let's get to it. Hey Kim, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been really excited to have you on the show. And so, you know, let's kick this off by getting to know a bit more about you. Can you tell us uh, where you're from and what you studied? Yeah, sure. So I'm originally from Boston, um, but I call New York City home. That's where I went to university. Um, I attended NYU's undergraduate business school, where I graduated in 2014 with a degree in marketing and information systems. That's awesome. Boston is an amazing city. I've been there a few times and I just love it. Yay. (laughs) So how did your passion for entrepreneurship really begin to develop uh, while you were in in, uh, NYC? Yeah, so it actually happened before that. It's kind of a funny story. Um, So my father is a software engineer um, and he's been one pretty much like all of his life nearly. Um, So I grew up, you know, what I like to call very much made of the Internet. You know, I had HTML and CSS shoved down my throat by the time I was 13. Um, So, you know, tech was always, always kind of in the background. You know, I hadn't really explored any idea of like it being of of it turning into a career. But, you know, I was a high school junior. So I think I was 16 years old. It was the summer in between my junior and senior year. And 16 year old ambitious little Kim wanted to go out and get herself an internship. You know, like I was kind of sick and tired of working, you know, these like minimum wage job, you know, at the local store. So I was like, you know what, like, I'm going to send out my resume. And at the time, I was really into journalism. I thought that I wanted to be a journalist. So I sent out my resume to a ton of different um, publications and magazines in Boston. And every single one of them got back to me. And they're like, you're cute. You're 16. You have no skills. Come back to us when you know, you're know you someone or you have a, a portfolio or something. Um, but somehow, uh, my resume landed in the hands of a startup in Boston. And you know they got back to me. And they're like, hey, so you really don't have any skills. But, you know, you're ambitious, you're aggressive, you found our emails, you know, you're ballsy, come on board, you know, for the summer and and let's see if something can work out here. And I ended up really just falling in love. I fell in love with, you know, the startup way of life. I kind of fell in love with, you know, having this crazy autonomy and flexibility to do whatever I wanted, not whatever I wanted, but like, you know, what seemed to me like whatever I wanted at the age of 16 with no skills. I got to learn a ton. I was sitting next to the CEO every day. I was sitting in on client calls. You know, I was sitting in on investor pitches. It was genuinely like an incredible experience for me to just even understand what startups are. Um, and really, you know, the rest is history. Like since, you know, the age of 16, I've been in startups. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been an incredible journey so far. 
Yeah, absolutely. That sounds amazing. So kind of continuing that, I guess, you know, after that, you actually ended up doing some business development, marketing community um, for other startups like OnSwipe, Blue Apron, um, and How About We? So what were some of those experiences like? And what were some of the, you know, I guess the skill sets that you picked up along the way? Yeah, um, you know, every thing that I've done has really just been an incredible learning experience. Um, to be completely honest, I was the world's worst student. Um, I like barely made it to class. My parents basically had to drag me kicking and screaming um, across the finish <laughs> line. But because, that, you know, I really spent my four university years learning as much as I could outside of the classroom. Um, I'd known, you know, before I'd entered NYU that startups were my passion. So, you know, I really just worked hard to equip myself with the necessary skill sets to be successful. And despite studying kind of information systems and computer science, I knew that I'm just the world's most inefficient and slowest engineer. Um, and that that wasn't going to be kind of a, a route that I was going to go down. So I really wanted to learn as much as I could about the non-technical side of things within startups, which, you know, even itself is a huge umbrella, which people don't, you know, sometimes don't understand is that like, non-technical can mean a ton of things. So yeah, you know, knowing that I was going to be non-technical, I realized, okay, now I have to learn as much as I can about business development, marketing, community, account management, PR, you know, like I just wanted to de-risk this future that I was going to have in startups, this non-technical future that I was going to have in startups. Um, and yeah, so, you know, all of those roles and internships were just a way for me um, to learn as much as I could about the non-tech side of things. And yeah, I mean, I got to work with and alongside some of the of New York City's most incredible founders, uh, many of whom I still keep in touch with and or call mentors to this day. So yeah, like I, you know, I hardly went to class because I was I was really busy kind of in the office, I guess. That's awesome. How did you reach out to them uh, or, or create those experience, those opportunities, I guess? Yeah, again, I guess that if I had to like kind of find the, the common thread here, I was just really oddly ambitious in the sense of like I just sent out cold emails. I literally, I was 18 years old. It was my the first semester I got into NYU and I had just been bored with my classes. So I think it was like week three. And I think I had found a company through Craigslist. Craigslist. And so I saw the company, you know, they were hiring kind of generic roles. And I think I just went on Google and like found the CEO's email because I just didn't want to go through like, you know, this yeah. typical recruiting process because I also knew if I went through a typical recruiting process, you know, they would instant instinctually, you know, turn down a freshman in college who didn't know anything. So I think I emailed the CEO, um, Nehal Mehta of, of Local Response, which is now a company called Qualia. And I was like, hey, like, I know I'm really young, like, you don't have to pay me much, but I really just want to learn about direct sales. And so I went, he like met me. Um, and he was like, all right, cool. Like you're super young and you have a lot to learn, but yeah, like let's rock this out. And so, you know, a lot of my experiences have been just me, you know, shooting off a cold email, meeting someone at an event, you know, getting a warm introduction somewhere, just somewhere, some finding some way to get my foot in the door. And it's, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm honestly humbled and also completely confused as to why some of these people met me, but they did. Um, and, and I got to learn a lot from them. Yeah, that's great. I love the I love the hustle. So <laughs> while while you were in school, uh, you were actually you know also involved with entrepreneurship and tech through uh, you know New York University as the chair of uh, tech at NYU. So what was that experience like, and what are some of the biggest lessons you learned through that? That was one hundred percent you know the most enriching and powerful experience I would say of my kind of very short technology career. Um, I really made a lot of mistakes and I learned a ton. Just um, running that organization. But yeah, just to give uh, the listeners some background. So Tech at NYU is New York City's largest student developer and designer organization. I became the first female president, I think, in, in 2012. I think I was a, a junior in, in university. Um, and that was my first real kind of foray into leadership. 
you know, we have over 8,000 members. And so our executive board was, I think, over 20 students at the time, both technical and non-technical across six New York City universities. You know, so it's NYU, Cooper Union, Columbia. You know, it was it was really for me a huge learning curve in, in, in managing, motivating and engaging board members, but also in recruiting board members, because that was quite unique that we had to, you know, reach into all these different universities where we may not have necessarily had a presence. We were organizing events on a weekly basis. You know, we were doing these big startup weeks every semester, you know, fundraising from tech companies, we were writing content, shipping code, marketing, like we were doing everything. And, and so really for me, I almost felt like it was a trial like a mini trial of being a CEO. You know, it was like building a team, building a culture, executing on this roadmap of, of projects and events that we had lined up for ourselves. Um, so I did it for about two years, you know, kind of my upperclassmen years at NYU. And it was a ton, a ton of hard work, but also incredibly rewarding. Like that organization, I count every single person on the e-board as, as a friend and as a peer. And it's it's really incredible to have a, a network of, of really just smart folks that you can surround yourself with who are both, you know, technical and non-technical, you know, they're MBAs, they're designers, they're developers, you know, it's, it's a really interesting cross-section of what student tech in NYC looks like. Yeah, it sounds like an incredible experience. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so one other thing that, that really caught my eye uh, about you is that you're actually, a, still are, I guess, a founding partner of the Dorm Room Fund in NYC. So what is Dorm Room Fund and what really motivated you to help start it there? Yeah. Um, so, so several years ago, um, first round capital came up with what was essentially an experiment for them in investing in students. So VCs have been doing this for a long time, you know, like investing in, in student run companies and, or, you know, student founders, but they were really one of the first to attempt to give that investing power directly to students because, you know, who really better understands and has a better reach into kind of the student community and student entrepreneurship than, other fellow students. Um, so yeah, I joined the New York City founding team as the first female undergraduate partner because, you know, as president of Tech at NYU at the time, that meant that I was regularly and voluntarily really like kicking it with some of the brightest student builders in New York. And yeah, it was a, it was a really cool learning experience because at the time, like I had, you know, I had a grasp about venture capital, but I hadn't really been thinking about it as something that I would personally want to do. Um, but it's really, really kind of cool to be on the other side of the table and just, you know, understand like, okay, what are the questions that I need to be asking? How do I evaluate companies? How do I evaluate products? How do I evaluate markets? How do I evaluate teams? Um, and that, you know, dorm room fund was my first kind of step into just understanding what VCs have to think about every day. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think we'll get more into that with what you're currently doing at uh, Frontline mm -hmm. in, in a little bit. But before that, I wanted to ask, you know, I also noticed that you um, had a chance to help organize a startup weekend uh, in Prague. So how did that come about? And what was that experience like? Totally. Uh, I was studying abroad in Prague. So I lived in Prague for probably seven to eight months. That's awesome. Because NYU has a really, really good kind of study abroad program. So I was like, cool, Central Eastern Europe, let's do it. Um, and at the, when, once I kind of hit the ground running, you know, after kind of the first month of like partying and being like, cool, I'm a student in Europe, I got again, got antsy. And so I kind of sent out a couple cold emails and ended up working at a um, Czech incubator slash co-working space called Node5. And through the CEO who runs that, I met kind of the other organizer, um, Andrea of Startup Weekend. And yeah, an opportunity arose and I jumped to help organize it. You know, it was a really cool event. I'd never been to a Startup Weekend before. This was my first kind of exposure to kind of this format. And yeah, it was a ton of fun. I was, I was again, a sophomore in college, still like learning as I went. But that experience probably showed me how powerful 
engineering and business talent is. And it's proof that innovation happens everywhere, um, not just the Valley, not just in New York. And so, yeah, it was a ton of fun and probably in some ways kind of paved the road for me to end up in Europe again. (laughs) That's awesome. What a way to be introduced to uh, Startup Weekends. (laughs) So you're currently the head of platform at Frontline Ventures in Ireland. And I have a ton of questions to ask you about that. But let's start off by what really helped get you back into sort of the venture side and what's your day to day role like now? So yeah, I had some kind of venture experience with Dormroom Fund, and I was very lucky to have interned at Atlas Venture in Boston and and SoftBank Capital in New York. So I had, you know, a very preliminary, super preliminary understanding of venture. And so although I kind of understood it, I really never saw it as a potential career path. But I'd heard of this really amazing opportunity through friends. And after having spent nearly all my life in Boston, New York, I honestly thought like, fuck it, you know, well, let's go somewhere new and learn a ton, get out of your comfort zone sort of thing. The role was what really drove me to join Frontline. You know, I was, I was interviewing at a couple other firms in, in pretty standard, you know, associate analyst roles, which is, you know, the kind of the most typical way that um, young graduates enter VC. But this head of platform role really intrigued me because platform as a concept is still in its infancy in Europe. Arguably, it's still in its infancy in the U.S., you know, minus a couple of firms who have put a ton of time and resources and hires into it. I would say most of us are, you know, still trying to figure out what this really means. And so to do that in a European context was really exciting to me. Um, Essentially, platform brings scale and infrastructure to the way that VCs add value to their companies. And so every VC and their mother says they do that. Um, But how do we actually execute on that, you know, in an efficient and impactful manner, especially as your portfolio grows? And so, you know, I joined Frontline. We had just closed our maiden fund. It was three partners and myself. For me, it was an amazing opportunity to build something from the ground up. We only have, you know, 20 portfolio companies. So it's it's a really unique place for me to join a team um, and really kind of start out from its origination, this dedication to platform. And so, yeah, you know what that looks like on a day to day. No day is the same. <laughs> um, I touch everything, you know, from events to content uh, to more classic community management uh, to recruiting to office space. You know, it's just I help our companies with anything that would cost them time and money. And yeah, it's it's a very unique role. A lot of it is ad hoc, but hopefully as as time goes on and I learn more in this role, it starts to become a lot more systematized. Yeah, sounds sounds like a lot of fun and, and an awesome challenge. So because, you know, you, you've got a lot of time, you also created the uh, the EU uh, internal ecosystems builders. Um, so what is that organization and what really motivated you to start that? Sure. Um, so like I was kind of saying before, you know, platform, I feel, or just in general, kind of operational roles at VC firms. Um, It's still quite new in Europe. You know, I've only been in Dublin now for a little under two years. And even in the past two years, I've seen just this huge explosion of roles. Like when I first moved out here, I was the first head of platform. I don't think I'd seen any other firm, particularly on the early stage side, hire someone in in my sort of capacity. And in the past two years, that's just completely changed. You know, every other day, I feel like I'm meeting someone who does talent or who does PR and marketing, someone who does comm, someone who does, you know, content, someone who advises on COO slash CFO stuff. And I realized we need to, like in the same way that we build communities within our portfolio, we need to, as portfolio community builders, also build a community. And since no one had done that, I was like, cool, why don't I just start it? Um, so yeah, I created the group. It's called EU Internal Ecosystems Builders, um, EUIEB.com. And basically, it's just a community for community builders. So, you know, it could be someone who, you know, perhaps is the general manager of a co-working space of startups. 
It could be someone who is program manager for an accelerator. It could be someone like myself who does platform for a VC or someone who does talent for a VC. But basically, we share a lot of the same challenges around, you know, how do we engage startups? How do we best add value to them? How do we bring you know, infrastructure to what we're doing every day. Um, it's built on top of Slack. You know, it's it's an amazing community. I started it maybe, gosh, like six or seven months ago. And now we have over 50 members across six countries. It's awesome. It's, it's really powerful because I think we're all kind of learning on the go as we go sort of thing. Um, so it's nice to just have a place where we can ask what may seem like a stupid question. But, you know, someone out there has an answer and, and that could save you a ton of time or even money. So, yeah. It's, it's been an incredible group to be a part of. Um, I'm very humbled by what everyone in the group does. Like, I, I don't know how I'm, I created this. I was like, <laughs> everyone here is so much smarter than I am. But it's, 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 it's really cool. I'm having a lot of fun with it. That's awesome. It's cool to see uh, that, that it's growing and, and, you know, helping a bunch of different people across all those countries. It sounds incredible. Yeah. So what's the startup scene, I guess, in Dublin and, and maybe just outside, you know, in, in Europe in general, like? Um, are there some advantages or challenges about building a startup, you know, in, in Dublin or in Europe, uh, in your opinion? Um, it's it's kind of hard to generalize all of Europe. I mean, that's obvious, right? But like, I think there are the obvious clusters in London, Dublin, Berlin, the Nordics, etc. You know, but each city is almost a unique ecosystem on its own. Um, and also you have to take into account, you know, while languages and cultures may generally be the same when you cross, you know, U.S. cities, it's it could be wildly different in Europe. So, you know, the German market is going to be very different from the Spanish market, from the French market, you know. So it's kind of tough to say, I think, in my mind, like, you know, you are a truly, you know, pan-European country or even pan-European VC. Um, like we invest across Europe, but definitely the strengths of our network. And the strengths of kind of our domain expertise are definitely focused on Ireland and the UK. So yeah, it's been a very unique learning experience for me because, you know, like whether or not generally you start a company in New York or Boston or Austin, you know, or Chicago or San Francisco, right? Like the product generally is going to be pretty quick to roll out, you know, just given everyone in the US speaks English, generally has the same ish culture, um, but that could be very different in Europe. Dublin in particular, I really adore. It's very unique, obviously very, very different and much earlier than the ecosystems that I had known. But there's a ton of talent here. I'd say that's probably one of the most impressive things about the city. So there's obviously a ton of indigenous talent that's native to the city. But there's also a huge concentration of tech multinationals here. So Google, Facebook, Twitter, HubSpot, LinkedIn, you know, I could I could go on and on. But all these really big tech companies have their European headquarters here. And so that means that they're bringing in and hiring a ton of incredible talent from all around the world. So you get a really kind of interesting and diverse mix of talent. And I think that could be really, really advantageous for the startups here. Um, in terms of location, you know, Dublin makes a lot of sense. Um, it's English speaking in the Eurozone, really accessible to the US and the rest of Europe. You know, it's close in terms of time zones. You know, so it's a really good place if you want to start a company where the US will become your main market. You know, it's like five hours to New York. You can still feasibly be on a call with a West Coast, you know, SF-based team versus if you are even an hour or two later, like in, in Berlin or even further. So so it does make a lot of sense for, for a lot of startups. In terms of challenges, I mean, it's pretty kind of standard stuff, you know, you know, scaling your companies globally quickly, you know, keeping up with global competitors, you know, that's that's always going to be tough, um, you know, if you're, you're if you're outside of the U.S. or even just the Bay Area, to be honest probably taking more advantage of this homegrown, you know, startup community will also be a, a challenge. And I think that's definitely changing even in the past two years that I've been here. So many more 
meetups have started to pop up. So many more resources, so many more stories are being shared. It's, it's really nearly changing overnight. And then also probably another really big thing that I know Dublin is actively working to change. Like we have a startup commissioner. I don't know if you know about this, but um, she's this awesome lady named Neve Bushnell. She's actually, uh, her and I overlapped in New York, which is awesome, but she's Dublin's first startup commissioner. So it's her sole job every day to think about how do we better grow and cultivate the startup ecosystem here. And one of the big projects that she's been working on is figuring out how do we unlock value from these big tech companies in our backyard? You know, it's, it's, for, it's, it's traditionally been pretty siloed. Googlers, you know, stay on the Google campus and you know, they don't really interact with the local startup community, but we're starting to see that change. Um, you know, there's a lot more cross fertilization almost uh, going on. Cool. That's really, that's really awesome. I didn't know that, that Ireland had that uh, kind of position and thinking about it at such a high level. So that's awesome to, to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of coming back to one of the comments you made earlier about sort of being on the other side of the table and getting to learn about what types of questions VCs ask uh, themselves when evaluating a product or a company. On that tangent, do you have any sort of advice or insights for startups looking to raise funding in terms of how they should approach it or some of the questions they should be thinking about? Oh my gosh, so many. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, <laughs> maybe, maybe just some of the top ones. Yeah, yeah, I'll do a kind of, but actually, you know, we, um, Frontline has put together a ton of great, and by Frontline, I mean me and the partners, um, <laughs> we've put together a ton of great resources for startups, you know, at all points of their journey. You know, we, we just recently, recently released um, a manual, a startup navigation manual um, for those sitting around the kitchen table just thinking about an idea. And we've also made decks for those actually like looking to raise VC. So for the more long version of this answer, you can check it out at, um, at the frontline.vc. But otherwise, I would kind of say for me, like top tips, it's really important that you target. So target, 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 target your VCs based on sector, stage, and location. I think when you're a first-time founder raising money, you kind of do the spray and pray thing of like, all right, I'm just going to reach out to anyone and everyone who can write me a check and we'll see what works. But I'd actually say invest time in building relationships with the VCs who make sense for you. So that could be they invest in your sector, you know, so they know B2B, ad tech, you know, super, super well. Okay. That makes sense if you're a B2B ad tech company. Also stage, that's pretty obvious. You're not going to be wanting, if you're a two person company, you're not going to be reaching out to any growth, uh, stage investors. Um, and then location, you know, for us, you know, we wouldn't invest in a company in South America just due to our kind of network focus and our ability to add value to a company. We wouldn't be able to, um, because we don't have a huge network in, in South America. So yeah, get warm introductions. That's pretty standard. Start the conversation early. If you're reaching out to VCs when you want to fundraise, I think that's too late, honestly. Um, a lot of what fundraising is, is just building relationships. So, you know, start the conversation before, you know, you're honestly even thinking about it. Kind of, it's a soft pitch, you know, and it's it's a soft pitch so that this person, this VC can see your progress over time and understand not just your product and not just your market, but also the founding team and, and yourself. So yeah, build that relationship and then pay it back. Just because a VC says no doesn't mean it's the end of the world. In fact, a no is can be a, a not yet. Um, so if you continue to build that relationship, you know, maybe introduce him or her to another founder that you think you know could be a fit. Maybe you know recommend them a meetup group you know that just started that whose focus is a sector that they invest in. You know, like it just continually pay back because that only builds your relationship with them, but also you know puts you to top of mind when they're thinking about, hey, like, who's a really cool person that's actually been a ton of help? Oh, yeah, him or her. They were awesome. Um, so yeah, just always kind of pay it forward. Yeah, no, those are definitely some great insights. And we'll definitely link to the materials uh, that you've been putting together. Um, at Frontline, I, I actually checked out uh, the navigation guide and thought it was really, really Ooh. awesome. So we'll make sure awesome. to include that link so people can check it out. Awesome. 
Um, so maybe on, on more of a, I guess, personal professional level, what are some of the most uh, recent apps you've downloaded or used lately? Um, maybe I'm kind of lame. Um, but professionally, you know, I would die without Slack. Sunrise, kind of for calendar stuff. Evernote, just for general kind of note-taking content management stuff. Buffer, I use a lot. You know, I, I handle kind of all of our social. So that's a, a godsend. Gmail, Dropbox. Like, I'm pretty standard on that stuff. On the personal side of things, I would die without Twitter. Like, I, I like you think I'm kidding. But <laughs> no, like, I, I know the feeling. <laughs> if there was ever a product that I could so fully evangelize, it's Twitter. I don't think my career would be anywhere near it is without Twitter. So yeah, definitely Twitter. Being a New Yorker, I'm ride or die for Foursquare or Swarm. I adore that team. I also adore the product. I've been using it literally, I think, since I was a junior in high school when I was checking into like high school classrooms. Um, so Foursquare and Swarm. Instagram, VSEO, WhatsApp, you know, it's, it's pretty kind of all typical tech people apps. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And, and do you have any recommendations on maybe some great content that you've been reading or come across lately? Obviously, we'll include again your guide, but anything, <laughs> anything else? Yeah. So I actually, I recently put together a Medium post on that. So you can find it on my Medium blog, which is just at Kim617. But I essentially just wrote a primer to the startup community because I've been getting a lot of students and folks entering the ecosystem saying like, who should I read? Who should I follow? You know, what newsletter should I subscribe to? So yeah, um, if you could link to that, that'd be awesome. Um, So that's just a primer to the startup community. Um, So that's everything from like the awesome subreddits you should be following to, you know, alternative education resources like General Assembly or Skillshare, um, as well as like my favorite blogs to read and and all that good stuff. Aside from tech stuff, I guess I'm, I'm a huge cocktail fan. So I read everything that Punch publishes. It's punchdrink.com. It's really, really high quality content about drinks um, and their creators and and the industry in general. Um, So for non-tech stuff, I definitely recommend uh, checking out Punch. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. We'll definitely link to both of those. The Medium post sounds pretty extensive. Yeah, because I just kept getting it. And I was like, how come? And I, I couldn't find a place that just one kind of one-stop shop for a lot of the stuff. You know, there, there's obviously a ton of guides on how to get into startups, but they might be super localized to a place. So they might be, you know, New York focused or SF focused. Um, so I just wanted to write something where it's like, hey, this is a starting point. Hopefully, you know, people, I'm sure people will write more robust and more comprehensive versions. Um, but this for me was just a good place to kind of like dump all my thoughts. And so, yeah, it's, and that's on Medium. <laughs> cool. So do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you like to live by and you think others should know about? I guess what I think I've, really learned the hard way is that nothing comes from waiting. You know, I I really hate to use the term hustle, but it's true, you know, like, especially in startups, right? Like, you don't get anything if you don't ask for it. So ask for introductions, ask for the coffee meetings, ask if there's, you know, an open role, ask if someone knows someone, you know, who you want to get connected to, you know, it's, I'm not advocating, you know, to be overly aggressive or thirsty. But, you know, it never, never hurts to ask. And I think there have been times in my career where I was like, oh, you know, like, I don't want to push it or, you know, like, just hold back and wait, you know, but but nothing, nothing comes from waiting, you know, at the same token, you know, always pay it forward. It's not just take, 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 you know, me, me, me. I've learned so much and I owe so much to the incredibly vibrant startup culture and ecosystem. And I know I'm super young in my career. I'm only 23, but I'm just trying to do everything that I can to, to pay it back. And so, you know, that could be writing content, taking meetings, sharing your learning, sharing your failures. I think no matter how young you are, no matter how inexperienced you are, you know, there's 
absolutely no harm in, in sharing what you've learned. And so, yeah, I, I try to do that. You know, I try to live that way. So, you know, I, I write a lot on medium. I try to, you know, it's, it's very much also a part of the frontline ethos. Like everything we do is open source. Everything we do is public because it all deserves to be. And, and in this day and age, you know, information isn't going to win the game. It's execution. So there's really no harm in kind of sharing the things that we've learned and the things that our portfolio has learned. And yeah, it's just amazing that so many resources, you know, like this podcast, for example, are becoming more and more available to basically anyone with an internet connection. So, you know, that's really powerful and it's really just, it's humbling to, to be a part of it all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kim, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. It was amazing to have you uh, on the show to share all those amazing insights. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much. Like, I genuinely, like to anyone who's listening, my inbox is always open. Any way that I can be of help, please let me know. Like, you can find my email on my website. You can tweet me. I'm really accessible. And even if it's a question that you may think is silly or dumb, I'm, I'm really happy to help in, in any way that I can. Awesome. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much, Franco. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening and see you next time.